Welcome to Alphabet Scoop, episode 131. I'm joined by Kyle Bradshaw this week and special guest Stephen Hall in his return. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Magnificent, (laughs) triumphant return. So, big week, big, big week than most in understatement. understatement, A big understatement. So, Monday morning in a real surprise kind of thing, Google announced, Google teased the Pixel 6 by announcing Google Tensor, its first custom-built SOC, which just activated my Hey Google on my phone, and I did that again. That's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot, man. Apologies to all of the listeners whose thousands of speakers have just gone off now. No, it's it's a <laughs> hazard of listening to a Google podcast, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're assuming the rest Absolutely. of it when you tune in. But yeah. I think the the big thing of Monday's tease was that it was done to announce that they have a new SOC, that they have their own first custom chip, which we've been tracking as Whitechapel uh when we exclusively broke that news at the start of the year. Yeah, it's been pretty exciting to uh to to see it finally out, though the name is a little bit confusing and I think just calling it Whitechapel probably would have been better. <laughs> yeah, so the name is derived from the AI machine learning work on TensorFlow, and then that became and then they created a custom chip to that optim that runs TensorFlow in an optimized fashion. Those are called tensor processing units. And Google decided to use that name for its consumer-facing chip, which is a real Google thing to do, to just use something that has lineage within the company and do it for everybody else. So 30 seconds. Why is this name bad? (laughs) I, I mean... This is a Stephen question, but before I even start, or before Stephen even starts, <laughs> I just want to throw out there that this is not the first Pixel phone that's had Tensor in it because the Pixel 4 series had the neural core chip, which was powered by Tensor. So I don't know why they waited so long. I'll use Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I I tweeted my own little take on this, and it, it, it basically is a... This is just par for the course. This, absolutely 100% typical Google branding situation where, you know, it doesn't seem like they're really picking a brand because they're wanting to commit to a long-term naming system that will make sense forever. It's like, just how can we brand it right now for the maximum appeal on social media and a maximum uh, carrying of the message of what this, what the unique selling point of the chip Mm -hmm. happens to be today. which is similar. I mean, we've seen this happen literally with other chips, as as you just mentioned, Kyle, with the with the Pix, Pixel Visual Core, which I believe first launched with the Pixel Three series, and then one year later they or maybe was this was it the two or the three? I can't remember. I want to say it was the two. But uh, okay, yeah. So this so the Pixel Three had the second generation of the Pixel Visual Core, I believe, but then the chip changed in slightly just ever so slightly in terms of how it was used and it became used more broadly for things outside of just photography um and so they had to change the name of the chip to pixel neurocore so that it could in you know encompass the entire uh i guess selling point or or purpose of the chip and to me this feels like the the, the tensor name is is setting itself up for a similar problem i mean with the custom silicon from samsung they chose exynos which means green in korean i believe which i'm not sure on the whole story there but it's it's a a very generic name that i guess stuck and it doesn't really seem to refer to anything in particular about samsung's chips it just is a brand they chose i'm i would love to be filled in on what the story there is but and then with apple you know of course their their a series chips are just a and a number and that you know it doesn't i mean if and it it seems like the first one was somewhat 
Uh, well, the first A4 chip seemed to have se- some kind of purpose in terms of the name, but then ever since then, they just added one every year. Um, and so, you know, it was very uh, generic. And so, the Tensor to me feels like, yeah, just too specific to exactly what they're trying to sell with... I mean, it's really just trying to convey the message of like, what is the Pixel Six? What, what what's the what is what sets the Pixel Six apart from you know its competitors in the, on the Android side and and, and with the iPhone? And uh, obviously, uh, the the uh, machine learning and AI stuff is is central to that. As as is everything with Google yeah, these days. Yeah, the name. What what is how is Google going to put another generation? What's the next generation called? Tensor Two. Are they going to abbreviate it T2, that's, T3? That's just... That's kind of what I was wondering. Because, like, is Tensor the name of this specific chip? Or is Tensor the name of the brand So, of on chips? the TPU front, it's TPU V1, TPU V2, up to TPU V4 right now. So, I would not be shocked whatsoever if they did Tensor V1, Tensor V2, and, like, another Google engineering <laughs> thing inspired naming choice yeah i mean this is google right so it's like who knows like they could go a million different routes on this and there's no precedent that we could use the only precedent we have for how google branding is going to evolve is that it's impossible and that there's no precedent so yeah i mean i could see it being t2 next year and t3 t4 and tensor being that original messaging um and then after that it kind of just assumes that that or just assumes that generic position, which would make a lot more sense in my opinion. But um, I'm yeah, I don't personally know. more excited about how they decide to how the internal code name system works. Like Intel uses Lakes. Um, I believe Apple names their cores. Um, I'm just curious what Whitechapel are they are they doing cities because Whitechapel is a city in the UK, I believe. That's a Neither here nor there. Or it could be slider for all we know. Yeah. Yeah. But what is I don't know what what's the commonality there? That's usually a fun punditry kind of thing. But so yeah, this chip, um like we were saying earlier, Google only highlighted the AI and the machine learning aspects of it. They haven't gone into any other detail, but as widely rumored and as confirmed in one report by Nikkei, it's a Samsung chip. Um, Samsung is they're offering their their factories to make chips for other people, custom chips for other people, and it's a pretty straightforward, I would say, five nanometer chip based on the latest Exynos. So I'm wondering what else we're going to see in that one. Yeah, my, my, what I'm curious is, is this really, is this, is this really a Google chip? And maybe one of you can speak to this from anything we've heard this week. Is it really a Google chip or is it just a Samsung chip that has some googly things that some engineers on the Google side of things just added some AI and ML, you know, uh, is, is it, is it a Samsung chip with some Google frosting or is it a Google chip? And it seems to me it's not, it's more, it, from what I can tell, it seems more likely that it's a Samsung chip with Google frosting on top rather than, in in Apple's case, you know, it's it seems like Apple it, it, their their ARM chips are very top to bottom designed by if, Apple. If so we're I, using that metaphor sure. of cake, I do kind of feel like at Google at least got a layer of Googleiness rather than just frosting. But Kyle, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. Just because uh, <clears throat> Tensor is now, or I should say, oh boy, the Tensor processing unit is uh, now like directly included into the same chip, which seems to be part of the the magic of the M1 is just including it all in the same chip. That way it's all closer together and is able to process quickly be- from one uh, part of the chip to another. That's that's my impression of it. I don't, I don't know if it's going to give M1 style performance boosts. Probably not, but... I think it's definitely more than just yeah, faster. and besides the the TPU, there is the Titan security chip. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess it'll just be interesting to see how it stacks up. Like, is it going to be comparable or nearly identical to the top of the line 
uh, Samsung chips and Qualcomm chips, or is there is there something that Google's Silicon team is is doing here that is pioneering some way forward in some way that we don't know yet? It seems I'm I'm curious to see. I don't, I don't know if there's any evidence for it. So I, I yeah, with that, Samsung, I definitely like initially it feels like Samsung is doing a lot of the heavy work, but. I can only assume by the kind of chip silicon talent that Google is hiring that they eventually plan to go to that more Apple M1 A series chip route where they, where they really design the thing and just bring it to TSMC to manufacture it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they definitely need the support of Samsung right now, but I, it wouldn't be wise for Google just to keep, um, keep a partner if they can do it themselves in the future. Not to mention this, the, the experience that they're gaining by doing this is applicable in the cloud too. So the more that they can learn how to design things here should be applicable, especially on the tensor side of things. Or perhaps it's the other way around that they've been learning so much by building these edge TPUs or sorry, the, uh, the TPUs for the cloud. Maybe they're taking that experience and applying it here. Hard to say. What do you guys make of, Qualcomm's stock dipping after this reveal and just the general negative sentiment. I, I don't really know what to make of that considering Google Pixel has really no effect or very little effect in terms of Qualcomm Snapdragon units that are shipped, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's like, does, does, does it seem like people are anticipating that Google's, that like this Google slash Samsung chip is going to make its way into the Android ecosystem beyond Pixel? Or do you think it was just silly so stock market? Kyle, react- you reactivity. noticed something in the wording of the original announcement that could be led either way. Yeah. In- yeah, one of the things that they said is that uh, it's is that this is just... The Tensor is designed specifically for Pixel phones. You could read that as saying that it's only ever going to be on Pixel phones, which is my take on it. But you could say that this is just at the beginning. It's designed for Pixel phones, but could be used other places. I'm leaning toward it being Pixel exclusive, though, which goes to Stephen's point. Yeah, Pixel, Pixel book, exclusive, that kind of thing. Right. I, right, right, right. I guess the, the worry from the Qualcomm market analysts looking at Qualcomm is that Google will give this chip to other people. but. I, but the only other people that could give it to is Samsung, right? That would ever make a meaningful impact on the market in terms of sales and that kind of thing. But yeah, um, the Pixel brand switching away from Qualcomm won't won't have a meaningful. It won't. They don't sell enough to make a meaningful dent. But I don't know Qualcomm. Qualcomm hinted that they were making, that they still had a relationship, a future collaboration with Google. But that can only just be the 5A, right? The Pixel 5A, 5G. I don't see, I don't see what else um, they have in the pipeline. Yeah, I mean, there's no way Google's going to use a Qualcomm chip now that they're making their own chips for the for the 6A. It, that, would, that just wouldn't make any sense. Only tiny well, sliver. Sorry, Stephen? Well, I was just going to say, I, I think it's still possible that on the lower end phones that they just, you know, pick up a chip out of the bin because it's just cheaper in terms of R&D to get a cheaper phone just throw a mid-range Qualcomm chip in it than it is to do a mid-range version of their own internal chip, you know? So, I mean, unless they're just going to throw this chip in everything, regardless of price or regardless of wherever, you know, the device is on the market, which is similar to what Apple does. You know, Apple throws their top tier custom in-house A-series chip in whatever phone, uh, you know, regardless, you know, like the, you know, iPhone SE or whatever, it has an A-series chip. It's just like a couple years old. So maybe that's the end. The end game here is that this year's chip is going to end up being in the budget Pixel Seven A or whatever. Um, but in the meantime, for the next couple of years, they might just keep using the, you know, bargain bin Qualcomm chips. If 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 I have conspiracy theory um, about this future <laughs> collaboration, so 
So Qualcomm makes a line of um, uh, augmented reality uh, VR headset chips, the XR line. Um, I guess they could be talking about um, a new version of Glass Enterprise, maybe, I don't know. Or they could be actually talking about a headset down the road. But that is like the only thing. And at that, like that's like too I don't see them going in the in the long term future, any Google wearable hardware uh chips and headsets alike. No, actually Alphabet Scoop exclusive. I've heard that Google's working on an Android tablet powered by a Qualcomm chip. Oh, is it? Just kidding. <laughs> like made by Huawei or something? <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I think they're just trying to save face. Uh, they probably have one more chip. And probably by future collaboration, what they really mean is working with the Android team on optimizing SOCs and allowing future upgrades, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or genuinely, they could... I mean, usually these kind of statements are just, you know, trying to give the statement that is in the positive direction, even if it only means like maybe literally the only thing that Qualcomm has in the pipeline is the 5A or maybe the 6A or something. And that's it. But if if they don't say anything, then it's going to send the opposite message, which is that Qualcomm is officially no longer doing anything with Google, which that is just not the message you want to send when a big announcement's made like this because you don't want the stock to dip any more than it already did. So, you know, it's, it seemed to me this seemed like a just a, a typical PR statement that just says, you know, we're not on bad terms. We're not, you're not, we're not ending things. Uh, even though it's very clear what the trajectories are, we're not, we're not burning a relationship here and, and you shouldn't, investors you shouldn't you shouldn't overreact yeah and so pretty normal yep so on to the i've got an i was gonna say i've got an interesting thought question for the two of you say the pixel 6 does well and the performance is good people like it maybe it's not successful in a in a sales sense because pixels just aren't but let's just say it does well Mm -hmm. right it does well enough does that could that lead to Samsung realizing that their own chips are good enough for the United States? Hmm. That is a doomsday scenario for Qualcomm. Yeah. Well, like well, a part of this is how the LTE how how the five G modems. That's a big thing that nobody can get off right now, even Apple after they purchase Intel's modem division. So that's tied to a piece, and you have to factor in the whole 5G rollout. But I, I mean, in terms of performance, we have, I think we've been at that good enough point for a few years now, two, three years. I, I think Qualcomm would probably, I'm sorry, I mean, uh, Samsung would probably do fine with the Exynos in more markets, maybe not directly in the US, not jumping right in, but. I'm sure they could start doing it because in terms of performance, everybody everybody's getting enough for apps and such. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything valuable really to say on this because I'm just not a silic- silicon person. I just don't know anything, <laughs> as you maybe have been able to tell from the first 20 minutes of the show. But I, I think that question is becoming less and less a matter of is it good enough because much smartphones in general if you just back up zoom out a little bit smartphones in general are just such a mature platform that i mean <laughs> you could get away with i mean the pixel 5 you know it didn't have the top of the line chips no one was talking about are the chips powerful enough you know the chips got the job done and they were not the most expensive top of the line qualcomm chips and that was fine and there was no there was no complaint from Pixel 5 buyers that the chips weren't fast enough or that apps didn't launch quick enough or that multitasking was crippled. It didn't seem like that was like a, a major pain point. And that's because it's gone to a point now where more smartphones are so mature that you can have some of those not the best chips. And in, in terms of 99% of the actual experience, it doesn't really make much difference. And I think that's just becoming more and more true over time. We've already, we've kind of already 
reached that asymptote, I think, in terms of how much more <laughs> like these chips can really improve. We're, we're kind of reaching that where it's like the year over year improvements are, are in terms of the, the changes they actually make to the experience are almost invisible. Yeah. But moving on from that point, exactly. Um, let's just set the stage for what Google announced with the Pixel 6. They said they're making a premium phone, that it's going to be premium price. They're trying to target that segment of the market of consumers that want a, the best possible device. And then what Stephen just said, the Pixel 5 was exactly the opposite of that. The Pixel 4 tried to be a very futuristic phone. It's Sori and Face Unlock. And Rick Ostro decided that they needed a drastic course correction for the Pixel 5, for the Pixel 4a, for the 4a 5G. And less than a year later, they're, they're going for a flagship. How does that make any sense in terms of a linear strategy? Crickets. Linear strategy, Crickets. I think, is uh, the problem there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense. There, it, it doesn't seem like this was the plan. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of things about the last year and a half that haven't been the plan for the whole world, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I imagine that that was part of it too. I mean, but I, I, w- I would, I would imagine that we don't know it, but there was a Pixel Five that was, you know, there was a fork in the road, right? After the Pixel 4 launched, where there was an internal Pixel 5 prototype that was a true successor to the Pixel 4, Mm -hmm. and that that was going to be the phone that launched in 2020, you know, given that the Pixel 4 showed signs of being a viable venture. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And when it didn't, they decided to pivot to some other internal prototype that was obviously what we got. Um, in the mean, in the meantime, I, I don't think that, I mean, obviously, as, as we know from this week's announcement, announcements, it, it was never the case that Google's plan was to abandon trying to do a thousand dollar phones. Um, and they just wanted to regroup and decide, take a step back for a year. And I think that the pandemic provided the, uh, the perfect opportunity to do that uh-huh. and reconsider what the phone was, what it was. What, 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 what the selling points were going to be, who their target audience was, what the feature set would be, what pixel buyers for the first four years actually wanted in a phone, why the pixel four did not continue that trajectory of year over year growth, which we saw from the pixel one to the two. And then also, I'm pretty sure in sales, and we can tell this by looking even at nine to five Google's, um, the, the, the analytic data, analytics data of who, what devices people are using reading our site. You know, there was year over year growth from Pixel 1 to Pixel 2, massive year over year growth there. Then Pixel 2 to 3 also seemed like growth. Um, And I think that's actually on the record from various various earnings calls. And then Pixel 4, it was all all the commentary around that on earnings calls and stuff was all couched. And it seemed like the, the unsaid thing was that, or maybe it was said directly, I don't remember, but... You know, the unsaid thing was that the Pixel 4 was actually a down year, year over year from the Pixel 3. And that was the thing that triggered, I think, the, the step back and the reconsideration of what what they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 don't know, I just can't reconcile how hard they went in terms of marketing the Pixel 5 with um, that this is a budget phone and, and we know people want cheaper devices. They want affordable 5G. And then to go all the way back up, it just, I don't know, it lacks foresight, especially if they knew they always had this uh, tensor chip in the in their R&D labs. Did they think it was going to take longer before they could roll it out? Or was there a change in timeline there? Or did they move up the tensor chip? I, it, I'm just confused by the messaging, especially if they knew, if they... They absolutely had the foresight when the technology was going to be ready and what their optimal devices are. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't make anything of it. <laughs> and maybe it's this nothing mean, to I, make out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a multitude of factors that we're on the outside of and we'll never, we'll probably never know. But uh, I, I think it, I think it made, 
sense in the context of the pandemic not to like they probably had a phone that would have been the year over year upgrade on the pixel four in a similar price bracket with a similar feature set. And in the context of the pandemic, it would have been, it would have been basically intentionally taking another year over year decline. Whereas with the pixel five, it was like, let's just throw this at the wall. These three phones that have confusing branding and are almost impossible to differentiate. Let's just throw them all at the wall and see what sticks. And they're in cheap enough price brackets that some people might buy them <laughs> in the context of a, but, of an economic calamity. The, so I don't know. Like that's kind of my own. That's the best I can do. I don't know the i. I mean, go ahead, Kyle. I was just gonna say, like we we knew that the Pixel Five was going to be the sub flagship that it was all the way back in February. So I, I don't know how much the pan. I mean, yes, the pandemic was a known quantity as far back as December of. Yeah, yeah, as far back yeah. as December, but I mean, it's it or earlier, really. But like, I, I don't. We we knew by February that, yeah. that you know the United States was yeah. not shut down by the time that we knew that yeah. the Pixel Five was. That's a be good affordable. point. That's a good point. And I I'm not saying that the pandemic was causative. I'm I, I'm just trying to make sense of something that makes no sense. And if anything, Apple proved that people went out and bought the iPhone 12. The people iPhone 12, most popular iPhone, there was definitely demand for phones during the pandemic in a, in a way that most people would have found unexpected. But after the fact, that's what the fact was. Well, yeah, it also makes sense from a different perspective in the sense that we were all on our devices 24-7 for the most part and stuck indoors. So, it, it you know, the, the devices and, I mean, as we all know, online media and just media in general and all of the devices we use to, to, to do work from home and, you know, all this stuff and try to maintain interpersonal relationships, you know, it's all phones and laptops. And so, um, you know, it made sense in a lot of ways that that did so well, but, you know, there's a difference between, there's a difference between, you know, Google coming out of the pixel four with a flagship phone that seemed to be a, I don't, I don't want to use the word failure because it wasn't a failure. And I, I've said on the record many times that I think the Pixel 4 is one of my favorite pixels uh, as a product. But uh, it, was a, it seemed to be a year-over-year decline in terms of units sold. So it, it was a failure in that, in that respect, I think. And I think that Google was, had enough self-awareness that doing just that over again and not trying something else was asking for even poorer results. That's just, I don't know, the best I can do. Yeah. So with that framing, with that why out of the picture, what is the Pixel 6? What do we know about the Pixel 6? Well, uh, we know that they're going to be... The the smaller ones could be 6.4 inches display, which means it's going to be big it just compared the smaller model is going to be comparatively big for the uh the pixel lineup and then the pixel 6 pro is going even bigger with a 6.7 inch display i think it's gonna be the biggest pixel phone that's ever been yeah probably the thickest by a by a good margin too just because of that camera oh, yeah. bar oh yeah so it, it it's gonna be a, these are gonna be big boy phones and then you're gonna throw a, a case on over them i'm sure uh 90 hertz display on the smaller one, to, uh, you know, keeping in line with the Pixel 4 and Pixel 5. And then the Pixel 6 Pro is getting a 120 hertz display, which is a nice jump up for the, uh, for the series. Uh, under display fingerprint sensor on both, which is uh, another first for the, uh, for the series. Uh, standout to me, I think, is that the... Setting aside the uh, Pixel 5 and Pixel 4a 5G, which you could argue are separate phones, this is the first time that the Pixel, the smaller Pixel and the larger Pixel are distinctly different phones. Yeah. In, in visually, uh, in colors, yeah, meaningfully, uh, there's, there's rumors that they're going to have different, you know, bigger specs on the, on the Pro, like big more RAM or something. Uh, obviously a bigger battery, but that's to be expected from the, you know, 
it's the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL, Pixel 4, Pixel 4 XL. It was, it was always the same phone. These are not the same phone. It, and that, that follows through to the materials even with the, uh, the Pixel 6 Pro picking up aluminum all around or an aluminum framing with a nice uh, sheen to it versus the, the matte rail that goes around the Pixel 6. Honestly, the, the, the Pixel 6 seems to take a lot of lineage from the Pixel 4 in, in its design with the, the black rail around the edges and the, the bold red color being available where the Pixel 6 Pro is really going in its own direction with, uh, with, with luxury. Yeah. Is uh, the only word that comes to mind. And it. it justifies, and the fact that the phones are no longer equal in core in key specs, it justifies how they now have a pro phone. They have a pro model that's much better, especially in the camera department with the presence of telephoto with a four X zoom. That's that's meaningfully different, and and yeah that's just the camera experience in another lineage from the pixel 4 it's just going to be a significantly you get so much more with the pro and i'm sure it'll be much more expensive as a result but i i think they've justified why this is a pro phone yeah i really think they've done a great job with the by changing the materials the way that they did like um i personally look at uh, Samsung's phones. For example, the, the Galaxy S21 is a good-looking phone. The S21 Ultra really kind of isn't. Yeah, it's gaudy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's gaudy. Anyways. Yeah, it is. It is gaudy. It's gaudy and kind of uglier and you're paying more money for it. I, 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 think the, I think Pixel 6 has taken the right tact here by making the Pixel 6 Pro look like jewelry yeah. almost. Similar to the Fitbit Lux. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So let's see some other key specs we're awfully excited by before we jump to the camera. There's a real earpiece speaker because the under display one on the Pixel 5 is not good. It does not get loud no. <laughs> whatsoever. It's really baffling for this pursuit of this, for an equal bezel all around the phone. That's just going away because the way they try to achieve that in under display speaker is just not good. Yeah, Pixel 3 to Pixel 5 is a major downgrade mm-hmm. in audio. So, the camera. We have the camera. Again, we have a telephoto lens, but with the presence of the Tensor chip, Google is basically applying HDR to every frame of video to do basically computational video this appears to be google's next leap in doing cool stuff the pick with the camera and with pixel name um it'll be interesting to see how hard they go after the creator market uh, the mobile creator market with this pixel 6 pro especially it's right, interesting to see what kind of video stuff they could do Oh, yeah, that's true. That was a big selling point of the iPhone 12 Pro, wasn't it? That it could film in HDR. Yeah, yeah this video stuff. We've been, wait- yeah, we've been waiting for the Pixel camera to take its next leap. And the early impressions so that the images were less artistic and more natural in what is really a clear departure from how Mark Lavoie and the Google's Pixel a previous stance theme almost on what pictures are supposed to look like this is a stark departure and i'm really waiting to see what they can do on imagery yeah it'd be interesting to see what the what the tensor new tensor chip is able to do with photography because i mean it's very cool that it's able to do videography and i take videos sometimes but i still want to see improvements in the actual oh, yeah photo. i want to see a total leap there so the other things that the Tensor can do is AI stuff is voice that they talked a big game about doing real-time translation of a video. And I think uh, from what we've seen in terms of estimate, um, it really does seem like in ha- improved voice typing on the level that was demoed at uh, Google I.O. 2019 with Pixel 4 
we're going to see that. Um, I, that's like the most obvious thing that comes to mind with what Tensor allows to be able to control your phone, like just your voice in a very significant manner. Yeah, because we still haven't realized the dream of the, the new Google Assistant that we saw then. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that I mean, from what we, the, the fact that it's still only on pixels, it's, it requires some amount of tuning and optimization that they can't bring it to other devices yet. That whole thing has been a real mystery. Yeah, it's weird that the Pixel 4a, you know, El Cheapo Pixel 4a, great phone, El Cheapo, can run the new Google Assistant, but, you know, the Samsung Galaxy S21 or OnePlus 9 Pro or what have you can't. Yeah. It's very cool, strange. And I think that directly reads into how Google's going to advertise this phone, the features. But, well, one, excellent premium hardware, and two, the kind of unique features it can deliver. And from what we've heard during the first the initial round of interviews, this phone is going to be marketed a lot more heavily than previous pixels. It needs to be. There's a lot of pixel-exclusive features that are phenomenal and need to be known like well known like I, I i could sell my my parents right now on the idea of the pixel just by telling them that it has call screen that's a winning feature in and of itself for regardless of the rest of the phone yeah indeed indeed so with that big marketing spend it'll be very curious to see how big they go on i don't know traditional advertising online advertising physical prints, that kind of thing. But it directly leads to what Google is... It's just childish Gambino money. It's just, it's just, it's just childish Gambino right. money. I hope. Right. Release the song! Release it's the song! It's next album or something. I don't know. Childish Gambino is going to release a song called Google Pixel. <laughs> Man. That... Yeah. Are they going to go for somebody famous again? Is that what they're going to do? I don't know what how do you break the Samsung and iPhone hold in the market, which directly leads to our next topic? But how do you do that in a significant fashion? Well, that's an open question, right? It, the, the open question is, is it possible? Uh, are, are, are buyer habits so deeply entrenched that it is literally impossible, no matter how much money, even if you spent $100 billion on marketing, would you still be able, would you even in that case be able to overcome the deeply entrenched buyer habits and and familiarity with different brands and just i think that so much of smartphone buying these days is just it's not even really a decision that anyone is really putting any thought into it's i walk into a verizon store i'm either upgrading to the latest iphone because i'm an iphone user i'm upgrading to the latest galaxy because i'm a galaxy user or i'm in you know one or i'm in that five percent or ten percent of other um, and every year you have 20% of Galaxy diehards who finally say, ah, I'm going to try iPhone this year. And then you have 20% of iPhone users who are like, ah, I'm going to try Galaxy this year. And then that's it. That's the U.S. smartphone market. And obviously, that's U.S. And uh, that informs my entire argument. And that's all I'm really talking about. And it's an entirely different dynamic elsewhere in the world, especially Europe. But that's just the dynamic in the U.S. And I'm curious, and the question is, is can Google break into that in a meaningful way? And um, yeah, do you want my... Is this is this where you want my screed on this topic, Abner? Or my... <laughs> my... Absolutely. Okay, so... Go for the screed. This is my, my take on Pixel 6 and, and why they're doing this and why they're kind of approaching it the way they're doing it and, and branding it and messaging it the way they are. Uh, it seems to me that they spent the first four years, and I'm not sure that Pixel 5 is a quandary that I don't understand, as we've said multiple times in the show, but or Pixel 5, yes. But Pixel, but Pixel 1, 2, 3, and 4 all seem to be in this category of Google really wanted to establish... It's funny to me that Rick Arsterlo said that that this was finally the Google phone, as if that's like a new concept, when... Oh, they've used they've said the Google so phone every year, except I mean, it didn't seem like it was at the forefront of the Pixel 5 because 
yeah, with the Pixel 5, it was like, this is the Google phone. It's kind of not the super high-end Google phone that we want it to be, but it's the Google phone. But the other four phones, the first one, two, three, and four were all like, this is Google. This is our take on a phone. And we want to be taken seriously just the same as Samsung and Apple. Um, and, 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 and I think that they designed the phones kind of with, without taking into account or, or th- I don't think Google thought about building an Android phone the same way that traditionally LG or HTC or OnePlus or Samsung have thought about building Android phones. I think Google came into it saying, we're Google. We're not building another Android phone. We're not going to be another Android OEM like we have with have been with the Nexus or whatever. We're Google and we want to design our own phone based on our own design principles and make our own decisions. And, and we're not going to try to play a part in this, 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 the American dichotomy of Android, the Android side versus the Apple side, which basically are a 50, 50 split in the U S. Um, and so, and, and this was reflected in a lot of different places. It was reflected in some weird design decisions that they made that made Android people who would be normally OnePlus buyers or are Android subscribers or Android police or nine to five Google readers really annoyed. There were lots of decisions over the first four years of phones that were like, why would you do this? This is not an Android-y thing to do. Um, lots of examples come to mind there. Ditching the headphone jack early, you know, and and or or with the first Pixel phone, having a satisfyingly not new headphone jack and then 12 months later being the only Android phone that left behind the headphone jack, uh, at least that quickly. And then, you know, and then there was the whole face, you know, ditching the entire, ditching the fingerprint sensor with the Pixel 4 and just trying to push people toward face unlock and pushing that API in every app and, you know, and trying to push developers into supporting it and trying basically to make the Pixel at the forefront of ditching fingerprint sensors across the entire Android ecosystem, which seemed to be the goal, but that didn't pan out in every, at all. <laughs> um and, and and then the other thing, you can see it on the retail side and the marketing side, too. If you walked into a Verizon store, Google had negotiated a deal where there were literally, you would see three columns. You walk into the store and on the left, you have the Apple column. And on the right, you have the Samsung column. And on the middle, in the middle, you have the Google column. And, 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 and the Verizon store setup was a very important thing to the entire Pixel line from the beginning. Uh, their partnership with Verizon and, and Verizon advertising the Pixel phone so hard and if you walked into the store, that was represented. You saw that Google was trying to establish its own. We're not Android. We're not Apple. We're Google. And we're Google proper. And so that was the story of the first four years of the Pixel phone. Pixel 5, again, who knows? But now with the Pixel 6, to me, and I don't know, maybe you guys have some pushback on this. I got a little bit of pushback from people on Twitter. Got some pushback from Ben internally. You know, I, I'm I'm not saying this is like a, a, a you know, a tight, uh, a waterproof argument. But to me, it seems like they're kind of admitting that they have to build a phone that appeals to the Android side of the fifty of of that fifty fifty dichotomy in the U.S. And it's subtle, you know, it's not that I'm not saying that Google is abandoning Google's kind of own, you know, ecosystem or ecosystem or their own, you know, uh, principled design decisions. I'm not saying they're just throwing in the towel and saying, well, we tried to be Google and now we're just going to be Samsung now. I, I think there's plenty of evidence here with lots of things you're doing. And Tensor, as we talked about for a long time, is one of those things that Google still cares to make this not just another Android phone. And they want to make it a distinctly Google phone. And, and there's lots of other things like call screen and there's the new Google Assistant. And, you know, there's going to be tons of things that make it a distinctly Google phone. So I'm not saying that's not what's happening here. But I do think that the way they're talking about the phone, the way that they've they even designed the uh, marketing imagery for these models, the way that the phones themselves are designed. I basically have three tentpoles for my argument as to why it seems like Google is accepting the Android, the Android iPhone dichotomy in the US. And really, if you accept that dichotomy and, and you also think and, and you accept that it doesn't seem like the Pixel has really done much in terms of taking or breaking into Apple's walled garden or really breaking into 
these, uh, you know, diehard iOS ecosystem people, uh, which they didn't. It doesn't seem like the iOS to, to Pixel switchers were any higher or any more significant than iOS to Galaxy switchers, even though it did seem like Google was trying to go above and beyond to try and build a phone that would appeal to the sensibilities of the iPhone user. Um, it doesn't seem like they really succeeded with the first four generations of the Pixel. And so I kind of have three kind of tent poles here for why it seems like they've accepted this and why it seems to me that Samsung is at the center of their kind of target or, or Samsung buyers, which are really Android phone buyers, are kind of the center of this. And the first thing is that the design itself of the phone is, is I mean, it's hard to look at the phone and not see a Samsung device. If you look at the side, you have the aluminum rails with the with the, yeah. with the you know just the screen slightly curved around the edge and you have a very blingy very you know um this is very top of the line galaxy s um shiny uh, uh jewelry-esque design it's very elegant um and flashy and 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 high end and that it, it, to me, the first four years of the Pixel were not that. They, they were more kind of trying to toe the line with Ivy Ross's, um, you know, very human fabric, home friendly, comfortable uh, <laughs> look, you know, like the Pixel was fitting in there. Um, and that was mm-hmm. especially true with the Pixel 5, too. And then and this seems to be a pivot. It seems like they're saying, you know, we're going to build a phone that's obviously indirectly comparable to the $1,000 Galaxy phone and the $1,000 iPhone iPhone Pro. Um, so that's the first thing. Just looking at the phone, it's obvious this is a different take compared to the first four years of Pixel phones. It's not that unusual compared to most Android phones. You know, uh, if you look at even a OnePlus phone, OnePlus, the, 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 the more, more modern OnePlus phones try to mimic that kind of um, the, the elegance of the top tier the Galaxy phones. Um, and so it's very typical Android phone, um, high end Android phone. Second thing is, it, it is the hardware specs. Obviously, uh, Google seems to be building this phone to not really irk any of the Android diehards. You know, it doesn't seem like there's any decisions, unless you guys correct, can correct me. It doesn't seem like there's any decisions they've made here with specs that would make any uh, Galaxy buyer raise an eyebrow. Maybe the specs wouldn't be enough. You know, maybe it's like, oh, you don't have a 100x zoom or something. You know, maybe there would be something that they would find as like, you know, uh, falling short of the top of the line Android phones. But it doesn't seem like they're making any weird decisions for appealing to the average Android fan. Um, and they're just, you know, they, they're going all out on specs as, as far as I can tell. Um and then finally, the third thing I have is that they're just going, they've, they've openly admitted that they're going to market it crazily. And we just talked about that with, you know, uh, who knows what that's going to mean in terms of online banner ads and Childish Gambino and television Super Bowl ads and who knows. But, you know, it, they're, they're clearly going to go all out on, on marketing it. And I just don't see that money being poured into an attempt to try and convert app iphone users i i feel like i feel like and maybe this is just because everyone in my life in my personal life in real life is are all diehard and uh iphone people my my wife my my family my my wife's family all of my closest friends are all just so deeply entrenched in the apple ecosystem they're all airpods owners they're all using iMessage on their mac they're all you know like they're all deeply intertwined in the ecosystem I'm not sure that the money per dollar that Apple, that Google spends to convert uh, people to their product. I feel like for every dollar they spend, they're going to convert five Samsung people for every one Apple person. I just feel like Apple is going to be so much more sticky in terms of converting um, buyers. Um, and the fact that they're willing to spend a ton of money seems to mean that they're, they're having to, they're 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 wanting a significant market share, and if what I said is true that it's going to be much harder to get market share from Apple, then who else is there to get market share from? Um, pretty much all the other Android OEMs, other than Samsung, are just on a seeming unending decline. So maybe they're just going to get some OnePlus and LG market share by default in the U.S. But 
other than that, where's that money going to go? To me, it seems like that money has to go to, to getting your average Samsung buyer into a nicer phone in terms of user experience. That's, that's my take. And I think that's why this is ultimately and ironically, mostly a threat to Samsung and ironically because Samsung's the one building the chip. <laughs> so that's my, that's it. And giving and Google their market dominance in Android with that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird relationship. It's a whole intertwined. It's a very weird relationship, but yeah, I, I agree. There's definitely a, sh- a strategy shift in saying we, we want to make a premium phone. Those, those very words may appeal more to the Samsung, to the potential Samsung customer than I would think the, the iPhone customer. They're definitely being pers- purposeful in their messaging. And if that's their primary audience, all these mark marketing dollars after that um, descend from there from the idea they want to get premium people interested in the premium yeah. phone in the best phone. And with, yeah, with I, I really think the strength of Apple is not in their specs, even though they do, even though the iPhone is is obviously very comparable, if not outperforming some top tier Android phones. I, I just think that the strength is is the brand and that's just not even i mean samsung is the only brand that gets close to that on the android side but even then i i just don't think i i I think it's apples to oranges i think it's like i think that the apple brand is so powerful and so sticky and the, the 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 walled garden is so powerful that i don't think that ios users care how premium the iphone is I think they buy an iPhone because it's an iPhone and for no other reason. And I think that with Google's messaging that this is a top tier phone, it's going to be premium. It's going to be the best Android phone. It's going to be have all the top of the line specs. It's like you're not you're not making a very good argument to iOS users. For iOS users, you need to make the argument that your phone has iMessage and you can't do that. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. You you can't make the argument that your Pixel phone has AirDrop, you know, and 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 so what do you do? All you can do is market the the all you can do is do the the apples to apples comparison with other Android phones, and that seems to be what they're doing. That seems to be the message. And who 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 is the only one to really compare to? Samsung. In terms of having a meaningful place in the market. But what does what does meaningful mean? What does success for Google mean? Does, Google, does success for Google mean taking five percent of the Galaxy buyers over the next five years, three years, two years? Who knows? Like, how much of the market does Google have to have to say the Pixel has been a success story, and we're going to talk about it on every earnings call as being very fundamental to the future of Google's business? Like, how does that happen? Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I I don't. Okay, so Google's obviously trying to diversify their revenue streams, et cetera, et cetera. Can't be too reliant on advertising, all that stuff. But I cannot see the pixel like be a meaningful moneymaker for them. They would I, have to have 50% and, of Samsung's business. And they would have to, absolutely, they would have to go hard. And right now, they're only launching in eight markets. That's That's not... That's not like global domination. That's just that's just the starting to this. You obviously have to start somewhere, but I I don't know. Like this seems like a five year plan, and Google, and if Google really wants to take on Samsung, which I think they do in terms of needing to justify the Pixel business, and maybe they're planning for the future in where they want to control the entire end to end experience, software and hardware. But I sure hope if they're going after the king, literally, that they have a, fi- a perfect five-year roadmap that is basically locked. And they know what they want to do. They know what they need to do to overcome Samsung. I hope they have that set. Because otherwise, this is going to be a real yeah, here's time the other way that I can thing. imagine 
this being coming meaningful. But this is the hyper ambitious um, game plan. And that is Google as a walled garden ecosystem taking on Apple as a walled garden ecosystem. And that is a much, much bigger. Um, uh, uh, it's like a much, much larger and more ambitious goal. You know, like that. that's that's talking. I mean, I wonder, like when 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 Rick is in board meetings with Sundar and everyone else, what it, what do the conversations look like? Because I mean, you you got to know, like they're talking in ten year, fifteen year, twenty year, thirty year spans, you know. And so, like, what is absolutely what does it look like in the twenty year span, or even the ten? Let's say ten. What's the vision? What's the ten year vision? Is the vision that Google has its own premium laptops? And Google has its own premium everything that Apple also has, you know, and 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 Google can start to establish at a larger scale some kind of ecosystem of its own. Obviously, they already are in the process of that. You know, they acquired Nest a few years ago or not, not quite a few years. They, they incorporated Nest. They have had Nest for a long time, but they incorporated Nest more directly into the hardware, you know, division a few years ago. And the hardware ecosystem exists but is it you know is it five years ten years away from being an ecosystem that's diverse and powerful enough that someone could say oh yeah i could leave apple's ecosystem entirely and just go to the Googleist ecosystem that that is where it gets interesting to me i don't see anyone leaving the iphone for the pixel before they can leave the iphone and the macbook and the ipad and the airpods and the apple watch for all of the Google equivalents of those things. You know what I mean? Like that's how that's how in my opinion Google manages to break in to Apple's ecosystem. But that's is that a is that vision too big? Is Google's hardware are, are Google's hardware ambitions going to sputter out before that is ever even possible to be realized? I don't know. Yeah, it's not to have us go super long, but I guess the question, again, when you were saying that Google thinks in 10, 15 year time spans, let's just take 10 for an example. I'm, there was the whole thing about, uh, about Rick Oslo being given a five year mandate in 2016 to build up hardware and see what happens in five years and to like, to start being profitable by the five-year mark or something along that general sentiment. I guess the question is whether whether what they're doing with Tensor... Well, the way they frame Tensor is that this is, has been a long-term effort and all that. Has the first five years of made by Google of the Pixel phone, has it just been them trying to become competent in phones so that they could start, so that they could start making the this this Pixel, the Pixel Six, their true right. vision of a Pixel phone, or did they literally just have a restart? The first five years haven't proven with with the original plan, uh, an original plan like let's make a Google phone and be quirky and be the, be that company, and let's translate that into a phone. Was that did that ultimately prove not feasible to be a meaningful player in the market? And yeah, I, I guess know, it seems is, like that. Is the Pixel Six the end or the beginning? Is it is it just the continuation of <laughs> kind of this scattershot Pixel strategy that it seems like Google's like just struggling to make any meaningful dent on the smartphone market, and they're just like maybe this will work. Maybe we should just try building an Android phone that. Galaxy buyers would like, and let's see how that goes. Or is it okay? We built five years of pixels. We've built competence, as you said, and we have a good baseline understanding of what we need to do going forward. And Pixel Six is the beginning of Phase Two, and that there's going to be a Phase Three, and then there's going to be an end game. <laughs> I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, like I don't know. It's like I, it seems to me that. The messaging seems like this is like them saying, no, this is just the beginning. And if that's the case, then if this is the beginning, if Pixel 6 is the beginning of Google's hardware ambitions, then 
I feel like maybe there is something there in terms of a 10-year vision or five-year, five, 10, 15-year vision of somehow making some kind of longer-term inroads in, in, in their hardware being really meaningful and competitive with all other, with all these other, you know, um, massive Silicon Valley firms. Um, that's, I, I would have thought after seeing last year that the pixel, I mean, this is just pessimistic me, but after last year, I would have felt like maybe we're on the edge of this being on the chopping block of, you know, uh, that, that, that's how it felt. I, that's how it felt I to me. That and that's, I mean, that was just my pessimistic sense, but the six messaging seems yeah. to be the opposite of that. I thought if they were really serious about the making affordable phones, they would have gone all in uh, with uh, AC, more A-series phones. I thought they would have went committed not completely to that, but they really didn't. And this seems like a new strategy and I don't know, maybe there was a very good pitch inside of Google to keep going. I know. Or it's Google, know, so or, you don't know. <laughs> it very well could be. Uh, it, it very well could be. Sunder's like, know. no, we have to do this. It's going to be big. We have to make this so like this has to be next level, and we have to make a walled garden ecosystem that can go up, up, and up against Apple. Or it could be <laughs> Rick's like, one more year, please. Rick's like, they one more year, do- please. One more year. <laughs> Just let me do one more phone. <laughs> Google as this. <laughs> With Google as this futuristic company, they would go all in if they think, if they believe that this is the future, if that this complete end-to-end experience world garden, if they have privately concluded, if they're confident that is the future of consumer technology, they will go all in and they will reorient themselves as needed to accomplish that. But again, like you're saying with Google, it's just impossible to know yeah. whether it's a one more year or whether we're going for it. They're going for it. My, my, I'll end my, my uh, appearance on the show, I guess, with this final note, which is that I'm optimistic now because Pixel 6 seems to be the anti-Google move. Like, I, I really think the Google move would have been after seeing... Your growth year over year, Pixel 1, Pixel 2, Pixel 3, a down year with 4, kind of scattershot, who knows what's going on with 5. The Google move at some point in its recent history would have been, eh, we tried this thing. We're not really getting meaningful market share. We just we just have to try something else. And that's what they did with the... I mean, that's what they do with everything. And that's what they do with the Pixel Slate, you know? Like... They tried the Pixel Slate one year and it was like, ah, this isn't working. Let's just not do tablets anymore. Like, it was like the third <laughs> attempt at tablets, you know? And it's like, it seemed like that was what was inevitable after the last couple of years with the Pixel, that that was what was coming. And the Pixel 6 is seems like the opposite of that. And it seems like Google's saying, nope, we're not going to do the typical Google move. We're going to do the anti-Google move. And we're actually going to keep pouring money into this thing. And we're actually going to try to make make it mean something. Which... That is, uh, to me, the biggest thing, biggest reason to be optimistic for the future for this. And that is all I have. Yeah, I'm definitely optimistic. And it's definitely more interesting than, I don't know, uh, mid-range <laughs> after mid-range phone. Kyle, uh, what's your vision for the future? I honestly, I, I'm so confused on it too. Uh, the only thing that I see is that I don't think that Google's going to have a, a literal walled garden. They might have a garden. I don't know about it being walled, though, because it feels like all they're trying to do is break down Apple's walls. Like RCS feels like the, the biggest push to breaking down Apple's walls. They're, they're making RCS important in, in the Android space. And then now all these Android people are saying, hey, why can't I send these messages to my iPhone friends? And if that wall can ever break down, I think that would be the beginning of Android actually meaningfully pulling customers away from iOS. And then if that wall can ever start to break down, Google having a strong looking phone that 
I think has the, the, the hardware sensibilities of the iPhone. I think that would make it a strong competitor instead of just buying a Samsung. That's an interesting point about wall gardens um, and whether that is the future, which we, we shall see, especially with other form factors that which we try to hijack your reality. Uh, but that's always a debate <laughs> for another day. But to bring it um, to round out this forecast uh, to something more, to something to... Well, what are you going to spend your money on? The six or the six pro? Six pro. I am. I grudgingly. I also have to agree because I feel like I've advocated for the telephoto, and I want a telephoto, especially over the past year. Stephen, with your iPhone situation, I'm. I'm one of those people that I was speaking of. Where if Google could convert me to an ecosystem entirely and everybody else around you. Yeah. Well, I mean, even not even not even then. I mean, if it, let's just make it personal. Let's just say it's just me. If Google's ecosystem as a whole and I regularly use my MacBook as a critical piece of my life, I regularly regularly use my AirPods as a critical piece of my life, my iPhone and my iPad. And my Apple Watch. I regularly use all five of those devices. If Google can provide me an, a, a reasonable alternative that, of devices that all into like all work together the same way, seamlessly, and are all in their own way very excellent products, then I could easily switch. But I've accepted that I can't live in an Apple world. On in terms of my watch and my AirPods and my MacBook and my iPad and then have a Pixel phone. As much as I like the Pixel phone as a device and as a product in its own right, it doesn't make any sense for me. So I won't be buying one. Mm -hmm. So that was a deep dive on the Pixel 6, the start of very many deep dives as we approach the fall launch of this phone. Uh, we'll be talking about this for the foreseeable future, say the very least. Until then, you can tune into Alphabet Scoop here every week. We report, we record this podcast uh, towards you at the end, uh, Thursdays and Fridays increasingly. You can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms, such as Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. And you can Listen on our site at 925google.com if you wish. Thanks for tuning in and thanks to Kyle and Stephen for joining me. We'll see you all next week. Thanks. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye.